Hey guys, welcome back. Chris Bircher, this is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. This is episode 121, Awareness. I've done episodes about awareness in the past, but I kind of want to put a few things together today that have been rolling around in my head uh, that really started back when I first read Carlos Castaneda when I was in high school in the 80s. And they talked about sort of the mastery of the self and this whole approach to sort of figuring out how our bodies work and what they're supposed to do and, 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 and and what sort of potential we have to interact with the environment while we're alive. Um. So I don't really, maybe I'll change the title. It's still working. Maybe by the time I finish this stream of consciousness episode, uh, I'll have a better idea about what this title is going to be. But there's a couple of terms that I think are critical that we overlook, we don't think about, we take for granted. We sort of wander through our days in varying degrees of uh, implementing these different terms. And I think it's just because we don't really know what they mean. And uh, I just kind of want to point these things out. I don't have some finite graph, you know, that's going to show you how all these things are linked together, but I think it's important. And these words are things like consciousness, awareness, attention, will, intent, something that the Toltecs called stalking, which is sort of like doing or the idea of doing and being. And then back to sort of this you know, all this under the context and then sort of the subconsciousness, like what's going on in your subconsciousness, what's the difference between an automatic behavior and sort of a a thoughtful behavior? You know, when does our brain enter, enter, enter the realm? You know, what's the difference between sort of the autonomic nervous system, um, and, and all this has to do with sort of our reaction to the world. Right. And so, as I've said before in other episodes, I look at, you know, all interactions among things in sort of an engineering or ecosystems sort of way where you have a stimulus, which is a, you know, an energy release creation or um, beginning from a point, an area, an object, a person, a thing, a planet, a part of the universe that transfers energy from itself to some other entity. And when that energy, that stimulus arrives at some other entity, it becomes a response, right? And it is integrated. You know, there's some sort of reaction. It's sort of like that law of thermodynamics. Is it thermodynamics? Uh, For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. For every stimulus, there is a response. If there is a receptor to receive that stimulus. Now, it's possible that energy can be transferred through the universe and never arrive anywhere, I guess that gets into the idea of infinity and all those other things. But just for a minute, let's think about that ancient parable of if a tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear, you know, that is about the stimulus of the sound being heard, right? The sound is some alteration of the, the air, uh, by the motion of the tree creating these waves and undulations in the medium that is the air, a fluid, Um, transferring that falling energy to a receptor, the human ear that can hear it. And so the parable is about, you know, if no one's around to hear it, what, what is it? Well, there there would be some other receptor possibly present or not, certainly in animals that would receive that stimulus. And so that's sort of a good way of doing it. You know, if you, if you get in a car, there's a string of stimuli and responses that happen. And and this was basically my dissertation, what the, the, 
<laughs> if I will say, the brilliance or the, the novelty of my dissertation work was to then treat these inter- to, to treat all variables as sort of having the potential to be both stimuli and receptors, right? They're intermediate. So it's not just one or the other. You don't sort of have independent variables and dependent variables. You don't have the tree and the ear. You know, the ear could also be a stimulus for something like an ear infection, right? If something happens in your ear, it could create another series of or singular or multiple multi- multivariate transfers of energy. And that's all this is, is like a transfer of energy, right? It's just sort of a mapping and a documenting of the transfer of energy from a stimulus to a response. And that's sort of how I think about the first split here, which is consciousness and subconsciousness. So we we react to the world sort of automatically, autonomically, subconsciously, whatever you want to say, or at least so quickly that we don't even realize that we're doing it. There's no real like intermediate processing. So you can have stimulus response that happens so fast that effectively that's what it is. Or you can have stimulus processor response. And if you're watching on YouTube, it makes it a little more sense because I'm using a lot of hand gestures here. But you think about this, you know, an arrow, a stimulus being a little block and then an arrow coming out of that stimulus going to a receptor. Uh, that's another block, right? You've got two static entities and kind of a flow between them. Now insert in the middle of that equation uh, a processing unit, which is our our nervous system, right? And so to varying degrees, our nervous system often and almost always processes these stimuli and responses. Except in you know, you can you can imagine a situation where this doesn't happen or it happens so quickly that it effectively doesn't happen in that fight, flight, freeze, or fawn reaction, right? If somebody scares you, you're gonna react before you have a chance to sort of process it, except you are processing it, right? Your nervous system has these programmed, you know, near instantaneous reactions or effectively instantaneous because you don't actually take a minute to pause. And a couple of interesting things here. So you might not have ever thought about this before, but certainly you've heard it talked about before. We have these sort of innate evolutionary reactions to things. And, you know, take an example like anxiety, we often talk about anxiety as being this leftover attention or energy that we pay attention to our environment so that we're always sort of a little bit wary of danger. And when danger does happen, we kind of have an automatic series of responses where we'll do often exhibit one of these four things, fight, flight, fawn, or freeze, in reaction to danger. Depending, and all these things are sort of evolutionary built into our nervous system. We don't really have to think about them anymore. And Or I would argue... We've, we've lost the capacity to process it. And now sometimes, you know, say you're walking on the edge of a cliff and you realize you're about to fall, you will jump back away from the cliff without sort of thinking or acknowledging the fact that you've realized what's happening. That's probably a good thing. If you had taken an extra second to think about what you should do, you might have fallen off the edge. So there's times when that's really important. But there's also times when it's really the danger that we perceive is unrealistic and our programming is so sensitive, our evolutionary, whatever you want to call it, is just so sensitive that we implement these fight, fawn, flight, freeze responses sort of in a knee-jerk kind of way, um, and that can get us into trouble. And one of the things I've said before on here, the beauty of meditation, what I've gotten out of meditation is the capacity to 
take do what people call taking the observer perspective, but really what that does is it buys you a split second to a to a few seconds of time to get in the middle of that stimulus response reaction. You can kind of get inside and see it happening and then ideally with training and practice choose what your response will be instead of inserting one of these automatic responses. And I think that is a huge element of quote unquote self-help, personal growth, you know, whatever you want to call that stuff, changing your limiting beliefs, growing as a person, whatever, is we learn to sort of see these automatic reactions to things that we have that we may not like, may not be serving us well, may have served us really well in the past, but it's something we don't like anymore. You know, a good example is, is sort of getting angry. You know, I've known a lot of people, maybe it's a man thing. I do this myself where if I get a subconscious stimuli of fear, kind of one of these fight or flight reactions, like if I think somebody's going to threaten me or there's a threat present or there's danger around, I'll get angry. You know, my knee-jerk reaction is sort of this that I've learned in my lifetime and probably in evolutionary time is to sort of insert some sort of, or, you know, maybe it's the release of, of adrenaline. I don't know, but my reaction is sort of to be mad. And then that sort of gets me in this fight mode. And, uh, but a lot of times this is going to happen with my kid when it's some benign thing, like maybe they dropped a fork or spilt their milk, or my wife says something that I take the wrong way. And I don't want to lash out and get angry and fight. Right. I want to be able to, have a more, uh, what's the word, uh, a more commensurate reaction, you know? And I think that that gets us a lot of us. If you think about problematic interactions between people at all levels, from individuals to villages to towns to counties and societies, and, you know, we have these sort of knee-jerk defensive reactions that we probably wish we didn't do. And that's why I think meditation and mindfulness is such a beautiful thing, because it actually is the way, the, the only way that I know of to get in the middle of this stimulus response thing. So I guess for, for boredom's sake or for the simplicity's sake, you think about this, a lot of what we do in the world, we could consider nearly subconscious or below the level that we know what's going on. So we have a lot of reactions to environmental stimuli that we don't have a choice in. We don't... Um, What's the word when you give somebody permission? You know, we, we don't allow it to happen. We don't make a decision about whether or not we want this to happen. We, can, we, can, we don't consent to it. It's just the way we've always done it. And typically we are aware of, some, some of us with a little bit of self-awareness, uh, we, can, we can see these things, but a lot of times it's really hard to change them. And that, again, is, is part of personal growth and therapy and coaching and just, you know, becoming a better person. But at this sort of subconscious level, we can almost simplify it. That's why I think it's a good place to start is the simplest equation, right? It's a stimulus and a response. And our responses are, again, things we've learned as kids, things we've been taught through our, 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 you know, from our religions and our schools and our jobs and the laws and you know, things the way we're sort of shoulds. If you go back to my long series of the R versus should, these are all the things that we've sort of been told we're supposed to do. And we've just maybe we've never thought about them. Maybe we've never been aware of them. Or maybe we've made conscious decisions that, yeah, I'm going to do that. I don't like gays. And so anytime I hear that come up, I'm going to you know, get into fight mode. Uh, and you've never thought about why. Uh, I would argue that part of being a human is to address this issue. And how do we do that? Well, 
we have to take apart our system and look at our capacity to acknowledge this. And the first step is to realize that you actually are conscience, conscious. These aren't literally uncontrolled automatic responses. You actually are making a choice. It just, you might not be aware of it. And I remember one of my first times in therapy when learning cognitive behavioral therapy, which is basically talk therapy where you teach yourself the error of your ways and simply learn a new thing, which I have found impossible to do to the point where I feel a lot of shame around CBT because I was unable to make any changes in myself from it. And I don't like it. I think in 50 years, we'll look back at CBT and Freud and sort of that whole lineage of psychology and just roll our eyes and say, God, we really didn't know what we were talking about. And so if you're experiencing struggles with CBT therapy, I urge you to try something different. (laughs) And there's a lot of other options out there. Um, But the idea is that you can think your way to a new reaction, right? If you get, if you're tired of being angry at your wife when she says things and you don't really understand why, the idea is that, well, all you have to do is become aware of it. So the first step is to take your consciousness and become aware of it. Right? That's the first step is to realize that we are actually conscious. While we're conscious, we have control. You know, you're not the one talking to yourself in your head, you're the one listening. And so you have to sort of acknowledge these things and realize that you actually have the power to do something about it. And in order to do that, you have to, you know, accept that you're conscious and then become aware of yourself. So you have to develop awareness, right? I wonder sometimes. How many people walking this earth of the 8 billion that are here right now actually are aware that they're doing it? I think it's fewer than 8 billion. And this gets the next sort of step from here is this idea that we throw around called self-awareness. And I think this is really all we're talking about. You know, the word awareness might say, well, I'm, I'm in a basement. I have a room around me. There are walls. There's a window and I can see outside. I have a microphone and a camera in front of me. I'm aware of these things. And that's just basic observational consciousness. You know, awareness is, is literally acknowledging where you are in the context of the, of the reality around you and your relationship with it and just sort of saying, okay, I think, therefore, I am, I am here. So I guess it's kind of the same thing. I don't really know where the fine line is there, but you know, consciousness is a step before awareness. You can be conscious and not aware, right? You can't be aware and not conscious. So it's the next step along the line. And so the next thing is um, awareness then becomes like a malleable thing, right? Now that you know that it's there, you can actually direct it. And this is what we call attention. Now think about it. You know, if you're paying attention to somebody talking to you, you are consciously directing your awareness at that person and you're focusing your sensory capacity to deal with that stimuli. So, you know, in a, in a world of constant and near infinite stimuli flashing all around you, you are deciding to focus your awareness onto one part of it, right? And so that's a huge step from consciousness to attention to awareness to actually directing your attention somewhere. And this really is the gist of the whole thing. And so if, if fewer than 8 billion people are even aware, how, or, uh, how many fewer people then pay attention, actually spend their awareness on meaningful things? And this is a, a big one. Like you can choose what you 
spend your attention on, right? You can watch porn, you can play video games, you can um, cheat on your wife, you can drive cars really fast, you can make a lot of money, you can help the needy, find cures for cancer, clean up the environment. You know, there are, there are, there are infinite different ways you can you can direct your uh, your doing right, and this and this sort of gets well. Well, so sort of the next idea is is will. Like, what is it that you want to do? And so you sort of use you know directing your attention is not easy. Like, think about that situation where you're in a noisy concert, right, with lots of different things going on: the music, the crowd, the the, the balls flying around, people smoking weed, whatever, and you have somebody that's trying to have a conversation with you. <laughs> it isn't easy. You have to sort of pull some energy from somewhere, from you know, from inside your body, from your finite stores of like mitochondrial energetics. This is your will. You're saying, I'm going to spend my energy paying attention, right? And I'm directing it in this way. So there's a conscious effort to do it. It isn't just a matter of going beep. You know, you've got to maintain this connection to this subset of the stimuli and the reality around you. That's will. And then, so will is the general be the, the general relationship between your body's energy and your attention of your nervous system. Intent is this particular direction. So if your intent is to save the world, you know, you may join a club that protects whales or go inspect sea turtle nests on the shore or clean up plastic out of your neighbor's stream or, 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 you know, a million different things. That's your intent. Or your intent may be to be richer than Elon Musk and you will follow a different pathway. But you can see where at some very rudimentary physiological and psychological level, there are a series of real ways that we interact with our world that are controllable. And, and, and as you go down this line from consciousness to awareness to attention to will to intent, you know, you can see how you're, you're choosing what you're doing. And then you can go inside this and sort of manipulate it. And you go, if you're in for result is you're a miserable person and people don't like being around you and you can't hold a job and you're broke and you're really, you can go within this system and sort of go, all right, where do I need to, what do I need to do here? Where am I going wrong? It's like, oh, you know, I'm, I have the capacity to change my intent. Let's work on that. What tools do I need to do that? And so, you know, all this goes into the idea of like, are you doing, are you being, and do you have reason behind this? Have you chosen what your intent is? And then again, like I think any conversation I have lately, as you go further and further upstream to the more general level, it comes down to your values. If you don't know what your values are, how do you know what you intend how do you know what your intent is with respect to your relationship with your environment and the people around you, your ecological place in the universe? You really have to make some decisions. So you've got to, I think at the, at, the, at the top of all of this stuff is making some decisions about what you want to be and then doing some practicing work like meditation and mindfulness of being able to sort of maintain an awareness of what you're doing instead of just randomly you know, nearly subconsciously rambling around through the world and put these two things together to live the perfect life. I mean, it really, no matter what I've read, whether it's Buddhism, 
in a secular or religious sense, whether it's psychology, whether it's self-help, whether it's coaching, you know, whether it's shamanic, Toltec, indigenous belief systems, you know, they all come down to this basic premise of the human being's relationship with themselves and the planet. And that it, it comes down to some subset of these two things. Awareness and directing that awareness and choosing what you want to do. Practicing some techniques that allow you to maintain these connections. You know, it's like exercise, right? Being able to maintain a link between another object in the universe or to be aware of a stimulus and to, and to, and to, and to figure out how you want to process that into a reaction. All these things take will and intent to grow your ability to maintain awareness and all this the only the only techniques you know some people will say exercising and even like religious states can get you there but for me meditation and just a general sense of mindfulness in the world is is the tool so the desire the practice and then of course the knowledge of what your values are right the knowledge the experience and the wisdom uh, you, you can't do this without goals, without endpoints. And that's where the values work comes in. What do you want to do? And then, it, and then it becomes this really simple thing, right? You develop the ability through meditation to sort of buy yourself a second to make a choice in the world around you in the middle of some stimulus and response so that you don't have an automatic, plugged-in, old-world, old-belief, antiquated, undesired reaction, and you can and then you can learn to choose what your reaction is knowing what you want goes back to your values and the beauty of this is everything that then happens to you can pass through these same filters and the more consistent you become the more practice you get then it becomes muscle memory now you've redefined those automatic reactions now your automatic reactions will be more in line with your values and if you ask me like if life were a video game, I just wrote the the cheat codes, you know, the, the the manual that you get if you really want to learn how to master the game. And it's just a different way of looking at what so many other people have already said. And the easiest way to sort of think about it is, you know, are you asleep or are you awake? Are you are you inserting automatic subconscious evolutionary and trained indoctrinated responses? to the world and so thus being defined by something other than what you want to be defined by being very reactionary and as you navigate life or are you being you know uh, are you living life with intent are you aware uh are you being or are you doing and I, and i think you're doing both being and doing but in the former example you're not necessarily doing or being who you want to be. You might not even know what that is, which again is the first step, identifying your values and all those other things, and then learning how to do it. And at least for me, the things that plague me every day when I think about being a human, this is the system that I'm longing for. And I, you know, this has been a good episode for me. I hope it's been a good episode for you. And I want to continue to develop these ideas. And I appreciate the opportunity to sort of get them out and down in some like rough draft sort of way so I can continue to work on these because I really think it, it, it takes a lot of different religious, psychological disciplines, whatever belief systems into account and pulls out of each one of those sort of the 
congruencies, the similarities and the, the generalities that um, I think might work better for some people. They certainly work better for me. And with all of that, uh, I thank you for your time and attention. I'm Chris Bircher. This has been Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom, Episode 121, Awareness. Thanks, guys. Take it easy.